The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I promise this won't get too deep, but the uh, the kiss between Jill Biden and Kamala Harris's husband, that was awkward, wasn't it? A just little a bit. Tad. I mean, yeah. Jill with the no sell kept just keeps going. <laughs> but Kamala's uh, husband was like, whoa, whoa. he kind of had that look on his face. He's like, did anybody see that? Am I what, in what trouble? just happened? Am I in trouble? My Actually, my first thought was, and I brought this up because I'm a big fan of the old match game episodes from the 70s, and everybody's kissing everybody on the lips. Yeah. And those two are definitely from that era. I don't know how old, what's his name, Doug? Yes. I don't know how old he is. He's younger than the Bidens. Jill's older. She's in her 70s. She knows the old match game, and she you know, grew up during that time for sure. She was like in her 20s or something like that. People are kissing everybody. He is 58. I'm just going to say, Jill Biden's kind of a babe. <laughs> I think she is. Looks great. That's Dr. Jill, by the way. Uh, yeah, exactly. You better better qualify that. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale. Travion Berklin wearing his I Heart New York hoodie. I'm sure he just can't wait to get back as he was there not too long ago, as a matter of fact. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought today was going to be a nice, quiet day in sports. Um, you know, maybe the biggest news would be Kevin Durant being traded to the Suns because Suns got that new ownership. He wanted to leave Brooklyn, right? So And he was ready to uh, head out to Phoenix. Wanted to hang out with all the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, uh, Brooklyn Nets, we never knew ye. Yeah, that didn't go too well, did it? No, mm-mm. Uh, so good for them. I, I hear it was quite the blockbuster trade. Dallas Mavericks fans can't figure out if they like the Kyrie Irving trade or not. <laughs> I, I know two Mavs fans. One loves it. She happens to work here. Yes. The other one, he used to work here, hates it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because he's a flat earther that he, that he hates it? I don't know. I got into this note with someone on Twitter over the weekend when it went down. And my view of it is it's going to be more destructive than it is a positive. Because he's a got get his own numbers guy. And then it's get his own attention guy on top of it. As a team player, yeah. Mm. How many no. NBA games have you watched this season? Um Probably about 20. Oh, bits wow. Bits and pieces, yeah. Who do you watch? Uh, I'll, I'll just watch, whatever's yeah, on I'll TNT? Just ca- catch what's on the national side. I will say the NBA on TNT has the best pregame, postgame show. Oh, yeah. It's the best one on TV. Absolutely. I don't think anybody can touch it. But, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Chuck and, and Shaq watch it the same way I do. Oh, we got a Lakers game tonight? Okay. <laughs> as in they don't see it as a big deal? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's the best team in, in basketball? Ooh, there's a good question. I, the Mavs have got to be in that mix. The Nuggets, 
Hey, when, shout to the Mavericks. When you get your guy uh, Jokic putting up uh, a triple-double in the first half of a game, he did the other night. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. No, no I not hear about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the West is just now stacked. The Suns are going to put themselves in that mix, and the Lakers are an also-ran, which is pretty amazing. So you're saying the champ is coming out of the East this year? Uh, yeah, probably not. What happened to the Portland Trailblazers? I, I kind of consider them lately as like the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA, where they get in and they got a, they got some star power, but they don't make it very far. Yeah, they're down they're down star power. I mean, it's dime and and that's about it at this point. I got a friend that lives out in, in Portland and is the biggest Trailblazers fan, is always going to games. But I never I don't get the reports that I used to anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I see why now. Yeah, it's it's Dame and there's nothing else backing up Lillard. It's a shame. Well, I, I would actually I'd love to talk some Big Twelve basketball coming up a little bit later. Uh, most likely we'll get to it in the second hour. We got a pretty busy first hour. We're gonna be joined by K State women's basketball chief of staff. That's Coach Nick. He's the one that hosts Nachos with Nick, which to me is like one of the best promotions I think I've ever heard of uh, coming from Kansas State. I love it. I, the free nachos, and you get a breakdown of the game, what to expect. It's like it's ding, Mitch ding, ding, It's ding, Mitch ding. Palm times four. <laughs> if, 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 if Mitch Palm was held with nachos. If I was a coach, if I could do it in the Shamrock Zone, if I had nachos – yeah, and also sell beer. Well done. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's Mitch Palm on steroids. We're going to talk about K-State women's basketball with Coach Nick coming up here in a few moments. Uh, we will get to uh, an abbreviated version of Coach Pete Hughes of K-State baseball in his media day interview. We're going to hear him talk about things are looking to turn around in this season compared to last. He'll break down the lineup for us and also Goody. Nick Goodwin returns to the K-State infield, and he is the only cat on the preseason All-Big 12 team. And we plan to play that for you here in just a few moments. But, uh, Troy, as you look at topic number one here, um, how dramatic should I be? Scale Um, 1 to 10. Well, if you want the clicks, you're going to want to be... (laughs) exceptionally dramatic i thought maybe that just the headline because i i have it down as like the uh, podcast headline for hour number one uh even though i i don't want to make the biggest deal about it i don't mind bringing it up but i know just as much as notre dame people know so it, it's been kind of going around on twitter today also there was uh, a couple of like notre dame youtube shows talking about apparently it's much more uh spreading the rumor is spreading a little bit more in south bend than it is here in manhattan kansas the headline is that notre dame is interested in colin klein as an offensive coordinator and notre dame is a is a location where an oc doesn't stick around for too long two or three years they're out for another job not necessarily for a head coaching position just another position another oc job usually Sometimes head coach. Well, and in the case of what has played out, Tommy Reese taking the Alabama gig with Bill O'Brien moving back to the NFL. Well, that, okay, so that that is one part of the story, I guess, because we have no clue how, no, how serious Notre Dame is about it, yeah. how serious Colin Klein is about it. This is part of being 
a blue blood now. This is speculative, and yeah, there it is, where Notre Dame thinks that they can just swoop in and take whomever they dang well please. Well, no, actually, I was because well, they're Notre Dame. That's one half of it. The other half is K-State now being a blue blood yes. and being a big-time school, being a big-time program. Shout out to Co- uh, Coach uh, Kleiman uh, for setting the record straight with me about that. Um that uh, you win a Big 12 championship, you go to the Sugar Bowl, and you You're, take on Alabama. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Other places going to want your uh, want, gonna want your boys. And they're going to try to outbid you, basically, for it. And mm-hmm. we haven't got any raises yet, haven't had any contract extensions for any of the coaches yet. Um, and I was reading some reaction about it, like, on social media. It was like, you know, shouldn't we have done this by now? Like, well... I mean, not necessarily. I don't know if there's technically a big deadline on that or anything. I mean, it kind of comes – it just depends on results and time of the year. Like, it, it can always vary. I don't – I, I I've, would assume that Gene Taylor's on the ball on this. One of the other things you have to factor in is what the calendar has been. After all, signing day, the official end of stretch signing day was just the 5th. So – you're looking at, you know, the calendar finally has gotten to a point where Gene can sit down and, and go over those with coaches individually, even. And, and with the coordinators, I, I don't, I think Colin was making a little over 300000 I think uh, Clandy was over 600 or something. Like, like Colin Klein was his first year right. ever being uh, an offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. And man, did he knock it out of the park. I mean, a Big 12 championship, it's really hard to uh, do better than that. It's hard just to get to that point. And what a resume he built in just a year where you are you know, you have to start two different quarterbacks because of injury and turns Adrian Martinez until, you know, it took a while for him to start slinging it around the yard. Uh, the running was there. Yes. But to throw it around, it got to Big 12 play to figure that out, but got that figured out. And also somebody who at times was turnover prone, turnovers were extremely minimal. Big improvement. And then you take Will Howard's case, and he comes into the TCU game, looks way better. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for a ton of injuries, K-State probably beats TCU twice this past season. But Will Howard showed not only improvement, but consistency. With that improvement, and you know, Led Casey through the second half of the season in a Big 12 championship. And I got to say, I think Colin Klein did a pretty good job calling some plays. Mm-hmm. Wasn't perfect. We had some chirping going around, and, you know, a couple here and there. Maybe I would have done something different. Yeah. It wasn't too shabby. Welcome to fandom. We can't always be perfect. No. No, that's going <laughs> to shoot. No coach is going to roll, roll 100%. And, I just so, and you have to remember that, you know, those guys on the other side of the field, they're on scholarship too. Is it a little scary that you, you see the mumblings or you, you hear, hear the, the mumblings? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I was calling, I'd certainly entertain it, you know. It's kind of like being recruited again, right? Okay. You want to come yeah. to South Bend for a visit? We'll uh, put you up in a hotel, feed you steak, and uh, you can pray in our churches and all that. Uh, why not? Flaw there is that I don't believe that he's Catholic. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's whatever. But um, I don't know what his goals are. I you know if Colin Klein has the biggest goals in the world, and you know if he's thinking about his family, and you know I I would never blame him. No, for taking a different job if it if it's offering a lot more than K State could at the 
at the time. We would just hope K-State is competitive in offering him a deal to keep him around. It's leverage for Colin Klein, I'm sure, if this is taking place. But it's, you know, of course, it's totally up to him and what goals he has. But, you know, who you mentioned just recently about who was recently who was last for Notre Dame as their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. I mean, he is a Notre Dame alum. Yeah. He was the quarterback at the same time as Colin Klein. And in three years of being an offensive coordinator, his only three years were at Notre Dame. And now he's doing the same job at Alabama. Right. And he is my age. He's Colin Klein's age. He's actually a year younger than Colin Klein. Colin Klein could see a, a rapid rise in coaching. If he wants to take that path. Yeah, but also on the other side, you know, it makes me wonder as well, like, does Notre Dame really see him as the best fit after just having one year as an offensive coordinator? Hmm. The other thing I'm interested to see is you're talking about a coaching staff that just went through its first year. How much of this is Tommy Reese seeing an opportunity, not knowing how things may shake out further down the line at Notre Dame, too? You know, that, that entire staff with head coach Marcus uh, Freeman. Freeman, you know, this was just the first year of it. And they got off to a rough start. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I forgot about that. They rebounded Lost well. Lost to Marshall? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say, if, if Colin does leave for any job, uh, radio station, be ready. This is my, as long as it needs to take notice, that I'll be calling in sick for a week. <laughs> I remember when my blanket was taken away when I was like five years old. And I was a mess for a while. Uh-huh. This would be an equivalent. It would be an equivalent. Uh, still coming up in hour number two, we're going to get into some Big 12 hoops. Uh, you know, there was a time change for the Iowa State game. I, I think there's a little something bigger behind that, maybe. Maybe. I don't know anything for sure, but I'm going to blow that up later on. Okay. I, I promise that. All right. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to hear an abbreviated version of K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes in his media day interview as we preview the 2023 season that starts in a week. That's up next. I was told last night on one of the uh, the betting sites that they are offering uh, Texas Tech plus 400 in a three-point game. Now, Tech didn't win that, but if I was a betting man, I would have been all over that. I uh, had someone recommend last night Moneyline on Iowa State uh, losing as well as uh, Oklahoma State winning. And I I hitched when I saw that that recommendation came after the announcement of the injury yesterday, yet it still was Oklahoma State winning. Their recommendations were right. They, They nailed it. West Virginia and Okie State got wins last night. Won some folks some money. Iowa State might be the biggest um, contrast of itself when it's home and road. Because they're undefeated I, I, at I, home. I, I hate to say this, given that I, I, I'm a Colorado Rockies fan, but they're the Colorado Rockies of the Big 12. They suck on the road. That's it, exactly. Yeah. They can't, they can't get it done. No. I, I don't know how many straight they've lost. They actually started decent on the road in conference play because they won at TCU. But I think since then they are 0 for. And they lost last night uh, 
at uh, West Virginia. 4-3! Oh, my God. It bothers me every time. <laughs> I was like... I would never do it that way. Let's just let's just we'll, we'll keep it there. Uh, on a related note, OU now six straight in conference. Their only win in the in the last oh, seven yeah, games is the Alabama game. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, Iowa State just lost uh, not not Oklahoma, but Iowa State just lost to Texas Tech. I mean, that, yeah. that was the, the ultimate meltdown so far this season for uh, for uh, for Big Twelve play. Let's get to Pete Hughes. Head coach of K-State Baseball, about to start the 2023 season a week from tomorrow at Stephen F. Austin. I'll be on the call for that one solo for the weekend as well for the four-game series. But he had his media day press conference yesterday. We've cut it down a little bit and abbreviated it to uh, basically three portions. His opening statement that features what they're looking to improve on this season, breaking down the lineup, and also, of course, the returning specialist, returning badass in Nick Goodwin, here is Coach Pete Hughes. It's a great challenge for our program. We opened the first nine games on the road. We feel that that's an area where we have to improve upon, so to be able to do that right away uh, will be a good challenge for our team. Now, we've also lost a lot. If you look at us, we've lost our starting rotation, professional baseball for two, injury to Griffin Hassel. He'll, he'll be sidelined for the year. So with, with that loss, comes great opportunity for a lot of players returning in our program who have gotten better. I think we do a great job developing players here, but also a great opportunity like for Owen and the other new players that come into our program. We do believe that our culture is one where kids become the best version of themselves after leaving other schools, and and that has certainly been the case in, in recent years here. We're gonna have to have a lot of guys step up and take advantage of some great opportunity. We lost our top two hitters and, and our home run champ, but we look at our we look at our our lineup or our perceived lineup every day on the field, and it's exciting for me. I think athletically, I think uh, plate discipline wise, I think kids have evolved, developed some other tools that haven't been around, like power tool with a couple of our players, the ability to walk, to get on base, the ability to run. I think we're we'll be super athletic one through nine. So there's a, there's a lot to be optimistic, but there's also a lot to improve upon. No one signed up to be 29 and 29. I certainly did not. These guys sitting next to me did not. That's not acceptable. Uh, we need to improve upon our record. We need to become a better road team. When you're good on the road, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of toughness, and, and that's who we have to be at Kansas State. You put that KS on your chest, you walk around with a little edge to yourself, and you can handle bad situations or adversity, however it presents itself. And, and one way it presents itself is being able to play at a high level on the road in this league, and we did not do that last year. We need to play better defense. I think, I think we've approved upon that. And, and, you know, and, and we need to cut down our walks. I think we were second in the country at the end of the regular season um, and walks allowed for Power 5 teams. Um, and that's a lot of traffic in this league. So you put 71 errors and then they mount on walks and hit by pitch and then you, you're talking about pitching and traffic, which is, uh, it's never easy, you know. It puts more pressure on your defense. It puts more pressure on your pitch calling. By doing two simple things that I think we've done this, uh, we're throwing more strikes and we're playing better defense because of experience and because I think we have really good players, you know, and uh, 
I just think you'll see the results will change just by us being efficient in those two particular areas. Talk about you know, your pitching and one of your new changes this year as a new pitching coach. How do you feel like Blue uh, Darrow is, is doing, taking over that position? And I'll let those guys answer. They're, they're around them every day, but I hired, I hired Rudy for his enthusiasm, for his intelligence. The preparation is at a different level, and really just the toughness that he brings to the field every day. You know, you, you got to be tough to be a state high school wrestler in, in Oklahoma. And, and you're going to be tough to go the junior college route and be converted from a catcher to a reliever and get to almost the highest level of baseball. You've got to have some resiliency and some determinations, and he, he brings that to the field every day. Potential you know, lineups and stuff. How much are you looking at the roster, too? It looks like how much are you expecting to fill those, uh, those spots with transfers, with younger guys who've been in the program for a couple of years. I could take you around the lineup a little bit so you'll see a kid like Raphael Pelletier playing a different level behind the plate. And he's done that since the preseason, and he's done that really all fall. You'll see a dynamic player that we redshirted last year, Cayenne Lodis, you know, who's a redshirt freshman who's is explosive. He can hit, he can hit for power. He's been working at first base. We have a uh, pretty accomplished transfer Roberto Pena, who's referred to as Chamo. Chamo will play first base, he'll play second base. You know, he's he's got some experience, University of Florida, Chipola Junior College, University of South Florida, played in the Super Regional at Texas. So Chamo brings a lot of experience and a lot of at-bats and um, can be dangerous in your lineup. I, th I think our left side defensively, you know, when, when those guys are on all cylinders can can field at a, the highest level of college baseball. I, I get to watch it every day with, with Nick and KC. Is, um, I know our pitchers like to throw aggressively in the zone now with knowing those guys are on the left side of the infield. They're playing at a really high level. Brady Day, who's had a lot of experience and, and played well for us last year and gets better, will, will be at second base. Cole Johnson will be a utility guy. Cole has a chance to be one of the more explosive kids in our league. He can steal bases and he can hit the ball the park. Brendan Jones is a sophomore who got to play some more and more in, in high leverage situations toward the end of last year. Carried over and had a great summer. He'll be playing center field for us. Dom Hughes, and again, had a great summer. We led our team in hitting in the fall. and Again, is having a, a really good preseason. Played discipline on base percentage. Toughness to your lineup. Cash Rougely is a, an older guy who's really been outstanding. Gives us some options and has become more than proficient with his outfield play and came to us as an infielder. So we have a couple of those guys that can go in and out, and it gives you it gives you a lineup some depth. It gives me some more flexibility. It helps us towards some matchups. And I, I'm I'm really excited about that core group. And I haven't even mentioned a couple of the freshmen that we have in. Carson Quick is a really good right-handed hitter from the, from the Houston area. Jaden Lobliner is a, a catcher, right-handed hitter. So it's once again, Nick, uh, unanimous preseason all Big 12. What does he do best? How have you seen Nick progress? You know, like it's like he's, like I said, he, he was our, in our first recruiting class. You know, he's, he was one of the first guys that committed to our staff. And just to see him grow, 
from the time he committed to us to the time he got here on campus was was honestly not we had nothing to do with it because he made his biggest jump from his senior his senior uh, summer to when he got on our campus and we weren't around his growth or development it was him his work ethic got him focused to be Big 12 ready the day he stepped on our campus and I don't see it often and I just I, I got to see it now with our third baseman and our shortstop right there the minute they stepped on campus you saw what I did with with Nick his first weekend. Who was your first game against? It was Oregon State. Oregon State. They won a national championship previous year. And I think I hit you two-hole. Or, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, you got the game-winning hit. So I don't throw someone in a two-hole for their first game against a, a national champ. But it was an easy decision because he was ready. That speaks volumes of who he is mentally. I think he's great for Kalen Culpepper because he can play like this. And to be great at this game, you, you can't get involved in the ups and downs. You have to be like this mentally. And he battled with that his first year. Um, got better with it last year. And you can see the internal fight going on, but he never lets it affect his defense or his team first winning approach. And that's tough to do. You want to be result-oriented. And uh, that's where I've seen him grow. He's been awesome this preseason. Um, his approach, like he said, his ability to control the zone, not swing at bad pitches, taking real pride in his defense and holding his defense to a higher standard. He went down the Cape and played in the highest level of amateur college baseball and was an all-star at shortstop representing Kansas State. And there you have it. That's Coach Pete Hughes of K-State Baseball. The season will start a week from tomorrow. And uh, they begin a three-game series against Stephen F. Austin. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday from the 17th through the 20th from Nacogdoches, Texas. And then at Lamar on the 22nd. And then they're in Round Rock for three games. And K-State will have an early shot to prove themselves when they take on the number one team in the country, LSU, on Friday, uh, February 24th. That'll be a 2 o'clock game from um, Dell Diamond there in Round Rock, Texas. A couple of things I just wanted to mention. It really sucks to hear about Griffin Hassel, who would have been a weekend guy this season, and um, senior, and he won't be able to play this year due to an injury. That's a yeah. big blow to the to the to uh, for the rotation for sure and a starter in Griffin Hassel, who's been, uh, gosh, with K-State for – let me look this up. He's, it, feels, it feels like he's been here forever. Well, 2019, you know, basically the start – of the uh, of the Pete Hughes era. Uh, meanwhile, I've I've heard really good things about new pitching coach Rudy Darrow, and that's just about like the preparation that goes into mm-hmm. the way he sees preparation go into day in day out opponents, what to expect, and um, preparation is a big part of his game. Good. And you can have guys prepare day in and day out to know what they are going to face batter by batter. Looks like we're getting a call, and Travion's a little distracted as I want to take this to break because I believe Coach Nick just called in, and that's who's coming on next. That would be it, yes. Hello, is this working? There we go. I was wondering, I was like, uh-oh, not more 
technical difficulties. It's the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. Let's talk K-State women's hoops as we're now pleased to be joined by women's basketball chief of staff at Kansas State. He is Coach Nick. You may know him from Nachos with Nick before big-time home games at Bramlage Coliseum. Coach Nick, really uh, appreciate your time for joining us here to talk K-State women's hoops. Fortunately, lost to Texas Tech on Sunday, 78-68. to But Serena Sundell had a big game, career-high 27 points, 16 of 18 from the free-throw line, almost set a record for most free-throw makes in a game by a Wildcat. So I'd like to know, on a, on a game plan on the game plan side of things, was Serena Sundell's performance based on game plan, or did she take a lot of uh, a lot of that effort and just apply it to she saw something and wanted to attack? Well, Mitch, first, thanks for having me on, but Serena had a heck of a quarter and a tremendous game. You'd like to come back and say it was all game plan, but it was just she had a great look, great feel. Uh, she got some steals. She got herself fouled. She got some layups, and it was a, it was a special quarter from a special player need a little bit more obviously attack but had a great performance earlier against the nationally ranked iowa state team but serena just keeps getting better and better uh practice has been good and we expect her to finish very strong down the home stretch here for the record the the k-state record for most free throws in a game by a single player is 17 that was by angie bonner and that was set 40 years ago against the Georgia Bulldogs. Serena was very close to making some history. I know Coach wasn't too happy about the defensive play. What kind of things need to be corrected on the defensive side of the ball? It's really a focus on, on, the, on the scout in a sense of knowing other teams' personnel. Uh, like, for example, coming into that game, we've gone over that number 10 for Texas Tech was a very hot shooter from three. And we wanted to make sure we found her early, uh, made any look she had tough, make her put it on the floor. And she got wide open looks in the first quarter, and it was frustrating, and you keep addressing it and such. And that, that's a small example of where we were mentally. And we were so in tune to the game plan against Iowa State with what you had to do with the potential Big 12 Player of the Year and Jones and how to guard her and how to keep number 11 in front of you and what 21's game like and how she likes to drive a certain direction. And we were so in tune to that that you thought it keeps building on that, but we had a setback, and now we'll retool and get ready for a great Oklahoma game on Super Bowl Sunday. Cats are now 14-10 and 10 with a 3-8 and eight mark in, in Big 12 play. I know Coach Mitty is a, is a superstitious guy. He wouldn't even let me talk about Emily Ebert and her free throws because she hadn't missed one in a while. She hadn't missed one all year by the time I was going to ask, and he, and he cut me off. He's a big baseball guy. I think that's where it comes from. Exactly. Yeah. When, when the team is, you know, especially on the road, uh, off to a rough start, not winning games on the road, does Coach like to change some things up, like what you guys wear or what you eat at the hotel? before a game it hasn't cut that extreme but depending on the tip-off time uh we've done different things on shoot-arounds and the day before uh texas tech we came in and had a the night before had a 90 minute and it was a great practice so when we tell you we were surprised that we weren't locking the scout on sunday we were surprised because the practice the night before was tremendous go earlier in the year baylor we came and just shot around with no structure and just everybody got shots on their own, whatever they thought they needed for an hour, kind of a deal uh, the night before. So we're trying to switch, find that happy medium going forward. Uh, but also tip time on the road, we'll have that. If it's a 1 o'clock tip on the road, might not 
uh, go to the gym for an early 7 a.m. shoot around, whereas at 4 or 5.30 or 6.37, uh, we'll, we'll take our full, you know, 75-minute shoot around and get after it. So not the extreme yet of what we're wearing or what we're eating, but uh, practice times can vary. It's rare to get this in, in Big 12 play, but you, d- you don't actually have like a midweek game, so you're going from Sunday and not playing until this Sunday against Oklahoma. I guess what's been the emphasis at practice uh, with so much time off? Oh, we, we've gone back to the basics on some uh, half-court actions, and then also we've done some uh, transition work knowing the next two teams, or really include the next three teams, have really been going in transition. I mean, Oklahoma is one of the best in the country, top three in the country in transition and scoring, doing it about 30% of the time with her offense, which is crazy. And then that Wednesday, you've got Baylor coming in uh, to Bramlage, too, and they're very fast-paced, just lost to Oklahoma. The score was in the 90s and such. So we spent the last uh, two days of practice really working on half-court execution, five on zero, and then our transition game. Uh, attacking in transition, but also understanding the importance of getting back and setting our defense as early as possible. K-State Women's Basketball Chief of Staff Coach Nick is our guest here on the game. Before I look at Oklahoma, I actually want to look uh, further down the road of the last weekend of the regular season because that's going to be a very special weekend. Not only is that Texas game, it's Senior Day, it's National Girls and Women in Sports Day, but it's also Alumni Weekend, uh, that March 4th weekend. Is there any early details we could share about that weekend? Yeah, I could give you a bunch, actually. I mean, uh, Kristen Waller's really uh, they're hitting that up from us, a former great player here, obviously, at Kansas State. Uh, you can all, I'll say her email a few times, but uh, Kay Waller at kstatesports.com, Kay Waller at kstatesports.com. Reach out to her if you're hearing me right now, your alumni, former player, and you have an RSVP to receive a couple emails. But at March 3rd and 4th, we're celebrating the 50 years of Title IX, which is so important to women's sports. And at the beginning of this year, you'll recall, we picked up our 1,000th program win. And there's only 20 programs in the history of women's basketball that have had 1,000 program wins or more. And we want all those former great players uh, that were a part of that to come back if they can March 3rd and 4th. March 3rd, we'll have an event at Rocking K's with the team, uh, can eat with, uh, a dinner with the team, and then kind of swap their stories and do a say how they However late they want at Rockin' Caves and the day of, they're all invited to the shoot-around 11 to noon uh, to meet the team there. Mm-hmm. National Girls and Women's Sports Day free clinic that is sold out. They can help participate in that one to three, and, and uh, Kristen does a great job with that clinic. They can come to Nachos with Nick, which you mentioned at the, the top of the introduction, at 3 o'clock for the Nachos and the Scout, and then be recognized at the game halftime. Um, at the game be recognized for all their contributions to K-State women's basketball and K-State athletics. So it's a heck of a weekend planned. We've already got a number of RSVPs and hoping more can make it. Now, are you planning to do nachos with Nick before the Oklahoma game? I'm not. Super Bowl Sunday, we are not doing nachos that day. We have two nachos with Nick left. Uh, We've got rivalry nachos from that team that's a little east of us on the 22nd at 5.30 p.m. and then Senior Day nachos, alumni recognition nachos. March fourth will start at three p.m. and then play the Texas Longhorns at four. What goes on your nachos? Oh, what doesn't go on my nachos? <laughs> much better, but it's 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 the beef, it's the chicken combo. Can you get me some jalapenos? 
sour cream, guacamole. Um, well, you, I, I'm not the only thing I probably won't have are the black beans or the black olives. But the rest of it, pot, Mitch, pile it on. Have some fun with it. I, I, I'm 100% with you. If there's multiple meats, might as well just put them all on. Go with the whole zoo. Uh, I, I, I guess you did touch on briefly a little bit of a scout on Oklahoma about their transition and their fast break. Is there anything else we should know about the Sooners? They are 16th ranked in the country. Yeah, they just play at just a frenetic pace, but it's not out of control or chaos. There's a plan to it. You can watch it and you clearly see People you have to pick up, where you have to pick them up at, how quick you need to get back, and that kind of deal. And they're they're a lot better than they were in the half court in years past, too. So they have a good half-court offense, but you'd much rather get them playing five-on-five five as opposed to, you know, four-on-two or four-on-three against you. So that's the goal, to get a great shot on offense. It's harder to run against you off a make than a miss, but if we happen to miss it, uh, know where our assignments are, finding our people, over-communicate and transition, and do the best we can to make them take a tough shot if they want to take one in transition and, or then play against this five-on-five. Well, let me tell you, K-State fans, if you need a little bit more encouragement to come watch this game and, and kind of treat it as like a K-State women's basketball Super Bowl doubleheader, last time Oklahoma was in town, a player scored 61 points. Unfortunately, she's not going to play, but K-State's also been very good at home against a top-25 opponent. So, Coach Nick, as we wrap up, I just got to know, I've been asking every guest this question on who you're picking for Super Bowl 57. Oh, the KC Chiefs are going to win 30-20. to 20. You can book it, Mitch. I'm going to write that down. 30-20, to 20, according to Coach Nick. Coach? Yep. Winning by 10, just like their first Super Bowl win under Mahomes and Andy Reid. Winning by 10. Coach, I really appreciate it. I'll be at the game on Sunday, so we'll be seeing you in a couple of days. Oh, I love it, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Go Cats. That is Coach Nick. He is the K-State women's basketball chief of staff. We greatly appreciate his time here on the game. And K-State Oklahoma Sunday will tip off at 1 o'clock. We'll take a break and we'll wrap up Hour 1 of the game next. Sucks to hear that uh, Reggie Stubblefield, of course, former cat for a year, played defensive back. We all remember the sauce boss. The D.C. defenders of the XFL made their very last cut today. Like, they cut one player, their very last player, and it was Reg- Reggie Stubblefield. Oh. I feel bad for the guy. I hope he doesn't give up, and I, I don't think he will. I just want to say my favorite XFL team will be whatever team Reggie Stubblefield is playing for. That's how I, I'm going to pick my favorite team. It's wherever the sauce boss is. Interested to see whether USFL gives him an opportunity. You've got the X, you've got USFL. Uh, you know, Arena League is planning coming back in next year for crying out loud. Well, how about this? So the XFL, like, of course, the original season, old uh, Vince McMahon let the uh, players put their nicknames yes. on the jerseys. Guys, imagine if Reggie was on a team and he put Sauce Boss on his jersey. Do you, don't you get royalties for that? Uh, it wasn't my nickname for oh, him. Okay. I right. just uh, kind of uh, Capitalized. organized a shout-out for him on Senior Day. <laughs> I'm just saying I think a lot of us around here would be interested in an XFL jersey that said Sauce Boss. 
I would for sure buy it. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think you could probably sell them and, of course, local establishments that sell K-State gear. I know I would. All right, hour to the game. I do want to talk about uh, this time change for the K-State-Iowa State game on February 18th. Could it mean a little bit more than just a time time change? I think it could. I think it could. Maybe. Maybe. We'll take a look at the Big 12 title hunt plus number one song of the day and ask us anything. It's a packed hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Your local news is up next.